Football is back and right now Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day and with the Bet365 Bet Builder you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as ever is Leicester City legend and my co-host, Matt Elliott. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good, Rob. Always good to talk to you. Yeah, looking forward to hearing some old mucker as well. Exactly. We've got one of your uh, old teammates, one of your good mates along as well, Ian Marshy. Marshall, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm superb, pal. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure, mate. No worries. Wonderful, right? Well, guys, you are Leicester City legends and uh, we've got a few uh, Leicester City lads involved in the action uh, right now and it's not been going great for them since uh, the restart. Marshall, what, what have you made of Leicester this season and, and particularly since the restart? I mean, that defeat at Bournemouth was particularly galling. Yeah, especially after the first half performance. Um, you know, it looked like they were going to go on to be comfortable winners, you know, maybe 3 or 4 nil. But um, the, the the substitution at half-time seems to have... Uh, Amused a lot of people, and, and what you know, why he did that. I don't obviously, I don't know why he did that, but um, I just think since the restart, um, it showed with some key injuries, Madison, who's been really missed, and, and um, Ricardo, that the squad isn't debt in it, it hasn't got the depth really. You know, I, I couldn't believe at Christmas they didn't sign a, a centre forward because for me, it's calling out for some sort of alternative when things aren't going right with Vardy or, or I mean, I don't know whether you, I don't think I and I chose the answer. So uh, it surprises me they didn't get a centre forward in. That substitution at half time when they were in so, so much control, Ian Nacho coming off, um, Brendan said to us afterwards that he thought Ian Nacho was not having the best of games and he wanted Dennis Pratt to come on and shore up the midfield. But in the first half, Bournemouth weren't in the game and what, yeah. I couldn't see where the threat he was talking about was coming from. In fact, they changed it themselves at half-time and brought on two midfielders. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did. As Marcy said, yeah, he used the word bemused and I, th- I think that just about sums it up, really. I think um, perhaps, you know, perhaps in hindsight, Brendan will maybe have done it differently. Um, you would imagine so, as the way things panned out. But, I mean, it wasn't just down to... The tactical change, although I think it did have a big influence on, on the game. I think Bournemouth are always going to have to try something, but the, the initiative, I wouldn't say it was handed to them, but they, they grasped it, didn't they, in, in the second half anyway. And you, you felt that the, the the change of emphasis by Leicester sort of encouraged them to do that as well, didn't it? And uh, yeah, it, it certainly didn't work. But individuals as well you know, didn't, didn't step up in that. Second half, did they? You know, and, and collectively as well, it, it, it was amazing the drop off in performance and to be rattled they, the way they were by the initial mistake, the penalty, etc. And then you know everything just fell apart. Was was unbelievable stuff. What did you make of Siunsu? What with the actual in terms yeah, of the sending out, off, kicking out of Callum Wilson in the yeah. back of the net and getting himself well, red carded. 
he's he's got that in him a little bit, hasn't he? He, he likes a little niggle, a bit of niggle, you know, with, with an opposition player, and he you know he's quick to get into a challenge. He's quite robust and strong the way he plays anyway. But you know he's always having a little word, a little bite back, and I think it just boiled over, didn't it? Exactly like the disappointment. Uh, to a small degree, I can understand his reaction, you know, to a level. You just consider the goal and everything has gone a bit wrong. And he, he was pushed in the back of the net and unnecessarily, really. I don't know what Wilson was playing at there because it wasn't like they were, he was hurrying to get the ball, was he? You know, they've, they've just got themselves in front. But, so, exactly. you know, there's a, li- there's a little bit of kidology there. And so I'm just like, hang on a minute, what are you doing that for you? Twit and he's reacted, but he should have been able to control himself. Like it's just compounded matters, hasn't it? And uh, you know the way Leicester had gone over that sort of two, three minute period and down to ten men, you didn't really see him ever getting back, did you? Which was disappointing. Well, that makes it three games to go now. And they've got to win all three to guarantee top four. Um, obviously, that depends on the, what the other sides do as well. But. Um, it's still in their hands to some extent, but the, the problem they've got is they've got injuries mounting up. They've got three of the regular back four potentially missing uh, for the Sheffield United game. Madison is still a doubt as well, the creative spark in, in midfield. Marshy, can you see them finishing in the top four? Can they achieve that this season? I can see them finishing there because I, the other teams around them, you know, they keep getting, getting given opportunities and not taking them. Um, whether you think it's one of the worst Premier, I know the, the the COVID thing has has changed the dynamic of it, but whether you think it's one of the poorest Premier Leagues for a while, with Liverpool being so far out ahead, and and you know even Man City still looking shoulders above everybody else, Leicester are being given opportunity after opportunity to finish in the top four, and um, you know over the last few weeks they haven't been able to take it. Well, the one big thing that a lot of fans have been saying all season, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier, Marshy, was that uh, uh, the lack of a plan B in attack, um, it seems to be Vardy or Iniacho, and that's it. Well, I don't think we've got... I don't think there's anybody an out-and-out centre-forward at the football club who... I've heard um, the lad Hirst is a prospect, the young lad, but, you know... George Hirst, yeah. Yeah, I thought, with all the subs on the bench and all that, I think it's an ideal opportunity to... To give someone like that a go, especially when, you know, they're playing a game and they're doing well and they're winning, that you can throw him on. Um, but it, it just it just doesn't seem to be anybody there. If you know, if Vardy got injured, it's Ayanacho and that's it. There's nobody. You know, you can change, you can move your formations around, you can put Perez up front, and but for me, you know, he's disappointed since he's come to the football club. I think Tillman, since he signed the permanent contract, as let himself down it, 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 you know he hasn't before last season when he was on loan he was fantastic he just doesn't seem to be able to get that level of uh, energy and emergency about him so I, I don't know but I, I, for me it, it's like it's, it was just screaming out that when you had an opportunity to bring the centre forward in you know even if it's someone on loan or something just get somebody else in for, for as you say a plan B if things aren't going the way he wants it you, you can change it up a bit what they need is probably a shirt out, socks down type, robust centre forward. <laughs> I mean, in, in all fairness, you guys always had seemed to have attacking options, didn't you? I mean, with Stevie Claridge yourself, um, Emma Heskey, later on, there always seemed to be a few options for you. Yeah, well, I mean, there was lots of, you know, we had Tony Cotty as well. He, he yeah. was there. and um, But the thing is, well, football's changed an awful lot, as we know. I mean, you know, Matt would, would be thrown up front and Walsh would be thrown up front and... You know, it was all, all a bit route one and people look back at it and say, but, you know, for me, if that's going to win me a football match, I don't care. 
I really don't care. And um, you know, the lads, they, they, they could control it, they could pass it, they could lay it off, just like any other footballer. But for me, it's all about winning football matches. Matt, Matt what was it like uh, at Leicester City uh, playing with the with Marcy? <laughs> um, well, Marcy, Marcy was just like one of a big collection of, of real, you know, lively sort of larger than life characters. A lot of them, and we, we were all a bit of a mishmash as well, really. And again, Marcy had, added to that that um, to the, the ingredients to that melting pot, really. You know, the, like Neil Lennon's and Muzzy is it? You know, the the Cockney Turk and. And Tags came along, and Steve Guppy was like the sort of the quiet, studious type, and Marshy the loud scouser, etc. And it, it it was it was funny. It was never a dull moment, that's for sure, between us. Um, you know, it, well, I took the studious. Like Casey Keller was there, who brought it. You know, his, his American aspect to things, and it, it was it was really every day. Every day was. Uh, was a, was a different experience, really. But it, it, we were encouraged to to sort of express ourselves, really. And it was, you know, by Martin O'Neill and Steve Walford and John Robertson, just to sort of all just muck in together. You know, it didn't matter where you were from, what your history was within the game, etc. You just all mucked in, got on together, uh, expressed yourselves, had a great time, but worked hard as well. And... Uh, yeah, Marshy was a, a big part of it in in different ways. He was sort of he had like a love hate relationship with the coaching staff, didn't you, Marsh? That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I I, I love them in the, in the sense of uh, as people and and whatnot. I mean, Martin, we never really saw eye to eye most of the time. Um, I don't like saying he picked on people, but he did pick on people, and I was generally one of the people he he liked to. Uh, to run for fun and and you know on a, a Tuesday afternoon and and things like that, but he only picked on the ones who deserved it, Marsh. Uh, well, I need uh, uh, <laughs> brown noses always get on, son. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was lucky. He, he liked me, Gups, Lenny, and Muzzy, didn't he? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It, it, in some ways, we couldn't do anything wrong. He liked but... Gups the most. Oh, Gups, yeah. After every game, wasn't it? Either. Yeah, he we, never we, had we, a bad we, game, Gups. And he was. He said, uh, you'd always be first on me team sheets. And I under, looking back at the way he managed, I totally understand what he was doing because Gups was quite a, a frail, in uh, <laughs> weak little man. <laughs> no, no, sir, no. He, 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 it was all about confidence sensitive, with Gups. Sensitive, yeah, sensitive. Yeah, but it was all about confidence with Gups and you couldn't, you couldn't have a go at him because he did then go into himself and, and you know, that wasn't the way to, to get him up for a game. The way to get him up for a game was to put your arm around him and, and build him up to be the best player in the world, even though a lot of games he wasn't. But he could put in a damn good cross. <laughs> so what was the club like when you joined in 1996, Marshy? I mean, you, you scored a lot of goals at Ipswich. They paid £800,000 for you, uh, which was big money at the time. Uh, you come into this club. What was the club like? It was it was good. I mean, I I I didn't want to leave Ipswich at the time because I was enjoying myself there. I had a family settled and everything there, and I, I wasn't even though it was a step up to, to Premier League, back into the Premier League. I didn't. Um, I was enjoying myself at, at Ipswich, and I had a good relationship with Alex Matthew up front. We were, you know, I think we scored about thirty-eight goals together in the season before, and we were looking forward to the next season. But when it came, I mean, Martin. I'll be honest with you, he didn't like 
you know, when you hear stories of he sells you the club and you can't wait to get there. Well, this wasn't the case at all. It was like sort of, come on down. I had a chat with him and I said, you know, you're not offering me anything more insensibly to come here than to, to, and it dragged over a couple of weeks and eventually I got a better deal and, and I came. But once I come, you know, the dressing room was fantastic. Um, people were coming in all the time. Uh, like Matt came in a, a few, uh, was it a few months after me, Matt? When did you come? Yeah, in? it wasn't too long after you, was it? Because we ended up, we were cup tied that year, weren't we? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, um, so we weren't yeah, involved in the Coca Cola Cup, but we'll come on to that in a minute, maybe. Yeah, so, you know, we, I mean, I've always been fortunate to play in teams where there's been a very good team spirit. Like, we, you know, the, even the, the foreign lads who came in, they, they liked the sort of English mentality, which, uh, you know, is great now it's probably an awful lot different um so the just the, the atmosphere around the football club was one of you know moving forward and 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 camaraderie and it was just it was a great time to be at the club that's, that's what i couldn't get my head around initially marsh was uh, i'd played lower leagues predominantly and i mentioned it before you know when me and rob have been talking and i was coming to the premier league eventually and i was expecting all this you know technical and tactical aspect of it and it, it was just the same as playing in, in what is now League Two, but at a better level, pretty much, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, but I do, just... I do, Matt, I do think, I do think that every club and every managing scenario is different. As you, I mean, you spent a lot of time at one club, in the sense of the Premier League at at, at, uh, at Leicester. But like I was with Joe Royal, I was with Howard Kendall. Now Howard Kendall, he, for me, he was like thirty years ahead of his time when he was at Everton. I mean, the stuff that he did was what they you know they do now in 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 terms of not like running it into the ground which they did 30 odd years ago you know the pre-season training was just kill you but he didn't do that you know he got the ball out on the first day you did a bit of running you did your fitness work but it was all about you know technical and 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 and, and he was quite a, a hands-on coach on the on the pitch where martin wasn't um but every club, I've, you know, I think it was an era when we were played that like sort of 90s time when there was still all the old school and the, and the, and the, and the new ter- the new things were starting to come in. And, and, and you could, you know, and let's be honest, thank Christ there was no smartphones then as well, because that, that would have probably killed it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have curtailed a few careers, that one, wouldn't it, mate? Over before they begun. I mentioned quickly about your, your fractious relationship with the the coaching staff. I just uh, tell us a bit about your relationship with Steve Walford on the training pitch. You know when you were coming towards the end yeah, of your contract, well, or so he believed. Yeah, well, we um, every day I used to go out, and it, it, I always used to say like Walford. We had five days of training. Say Walford had four training sessions. <laughs> so it'd be like we'd do. I mean, half of them were like five sides and stuff like that. But we had the chippy game, didn't we? Remember, we used to call it the chippy game. Yeah, I remember you in the background, Marcy, going, "This is rubbish, Wolford. <laughs> rubbish." Yeah, yeah. But I just absolutely because you know I'd been with some good. When I say good coach, I'm not saying Waller wasn't a good coach. He was a great motivator and a good. But you know, at the end of the day, we he didn't we didn't get coached as a did we? You know what I mean? There was no formation or. It was um, technical. It, it was, was that? It was just literally, which was a great thing. They had the, the lads, had the staff, had the confidence in the players to to tell them what you wanted to do, and you know, nine times out of ten, we'd try and do it and, and got away with it. 
But he, he, as the season was coming to an end, like Walford was made up because my contract was running out, and um, didn't think I didn't think, and he didn't think I was going to get um, another one. But only been known to him. Like I'd been speaking to Martin, and he'd offered me another year, and I kept on going in, and and, and Waller was counting the days down to the end of the season <laughs> to, to get rid for me to get rid of me, and then I think it was about. He'd say um, it every day in training, Marsh, yeah, wouldn't he? Yeah, you know, yeah, you know. That's 78 days to go, Marsh, <laughs> that's it. And then it came to about, like, two or three days before the end, and he was buzzing, like, saying, I've only got, you know, and I said, and I sat down with the other lads were there, and I just said, well, I've got some bad news for you, son. There's 366 days to go, <laughs> and he, his face just went, like, white, and he was devastated. And uh, I used to have a good. I mean, we had a great laugh. It was it was it was brilliant football club to be at, and um, you know, he he had to suffer me for another twelve months. I was going to say, Marcy, for another member of the uh, the coaching staff, John Robertson, uh, used to get a, a fair bit of stick off yourself, didn't he, and others, but in particular you, when you were on the back of the coach playing cards. <laughs> yeah, but we always used to invite him down because he'd only have like I don't know he'd have fifty quid or something, and he'd come down and he'd try. Him. I mean, he was I love Robbo. He's a great lad, but he he, he, he we just skank him. The game was called skank. We used to play, and we used to set him up. So like you know, we'd say, "Come on, Robbo, <laughs> come on down." He'd come down thinking he like we had a long trip, two and a half hour, three hour trip somewhere. He'd be in the seat for 20 minutes. He'd be cleaned him out. And then we were all saying, go on, bugger off, back down the front, Robbo, off your pop and all that. And, he, and he'd go down with his uh, tail between his legs, gutted. But he still came back for more punishment the well, following week. Well, that's what made me laugh, Buzz, because he'd come up with his 50 quid or whatever. And, <laughs> and then he'd come skulking back down the front or the middle <laughs> section where I was sitting. I didn't really get involved in the cards. And he'd start tapping people up. He'd say, like... <laughs> Marcy, he said, Marcy, I need to get him back. He's going, let me 50 quid, Matt. Let me 50 quid to go back up. So naively, I gave him 50 pounds. He went back up, lost it again. And then he wanted more. And I thought, right, no, the penny dropped then. I'm not, because I'll never, I'll never get it back off him. But what he didn't realise was that we were setting him up. Like if I wasn't going to win it, someone else was going to win it. And if he wasn't going to, someone else was going to win it. We were just wanting him to be cleaned out and sent back. Yeah, here he is, the d- double European Cup winning uh, champion. Like, we're sending him back and he's skulking off. Oh, dear, funny. It was brilliant, funny. brilliant. Harry's sponsors 5,000 to 1, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. As a listener of 5,000 to 1, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for just £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash Leicester City right now. That's harrys.com forward slash Leicester City. Marcia, can I just clear something up? It's always been fabled that at Le Mange, it was you that convinced Robbo to get you an extension at the bar, oh. which led to the infamous uh, incidents of that evening. Yeah, I'd like to take the glory on that one. Um, well, it it was sort of Robbo. Well, he used to just like read a book and have a Guinness. And um, there was four of us. It was me, Tony Cotty, uh, Tim Flowers. I can't remember who the other lad was. We didn't play golf. We d- I do play golf, but for some reason I just wanted to get on the piss. 
and I didn't play golf <laughs> when we stayed, got there. So we'd been on it all afternoon and we came into the bar at about, I don't know, seven o'clock and Robbo was in and he'd been steadily drinking Guinness and reading his book quietly in the corner. So we sat round him and started and all the other lads had obviously been playing golf and then they were going to get ready and thinking about going out where we were like pretty cut by the time we were, we were in there. And as the lads started coming down, there'd been a curfew, quite an early curfew. And I said to him, um, Robbo, how about the lads having a, a late, a bit later? And he's saying, no, no, we can't, the gaffer's... Because the gaffer wasn't coming. I think he was coming with you, Matt, was he, the next day? Yeah, I was actually due to fly over with him that day, yeah. No, yeah, the next and, day, sorry. Yeah, and Robbo was saying, no, we can't, the gaffer said no. And I said, go on, Robbo, phone him. And Robbo, being Robbo, and a bit bevied up a bit, he said, <laughs> I'm not phoning him, you phone him. And I said, I haven't got his phone number. And Robbo, not thinking straight, like said, we all, here's my phone, you phone him. And that was the sort of the, the start of the downfall of, of, <laughs> of that trip. Um, I mean, it was, it, it was a lot of stuff blown out of proportion about it, but it was just funny, do you know what I mean? It was a funny, there was no real craziness about it. It was just a fire extinguisher going off that nobody expected what to happen when it went off. Uh, like mm. filling this room with all this beautiful mahogany wood that just got covered in white dust everywhere, you know, and it was, <laughs> but that was all that it was started about. And then it just went on and on and on with, with you know what the press are like. So anyway. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember that, Marcy, because like you say, I was due to go over. My ex-wife was having problems because uh, she was pregnant at the time. There was a few issues. So I was delayed on the trip. So I was due to go over with Martin. Uh, I was at the training ground. And I got in the car and Martin said to me, Maddie, put your bags in the boot. And then all of a sudden the phone went. <laughs> About 45 minutes later, I'm still sat in the car. And Martin's come over his face like thunder and he says, Maddie, something's happened. Get your bags out the car. We're not going. So I was like, okay. But then I realised what had happened. Then you all flew back, didn't you, the next day. But yeah, the but one the worst thing me... was I remember being on the bus and I, 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 we got on the bus to go back and I just remember saying, I tell you what, lads, I don't know about you, but... It only felt like yesterday when we get here. What a fantastic holiday! And we, <laughs> and as we as we set off, I sat down and gone, "Oh shit!" The phone call, the phone yeah, call exactly. to, Ma <laughs> to Martin because I had actually phoned him and asked him, and he he, he went to answer phone, and I was, and that's a no no. You don't yeah. do that, do you? <laughs> and I was drunk, and you know, and I I was can the lads have a late one, Gaffer? It's brilliant here, and all this, and. <laughs> And then, and and I knew it was going to come out the next day. You know, some somewhere along the line, it would come out. And it was quite funny because Stan had caused all this trouble with what he'd done. But when we had the meeting, at, was it Sketchley Grange? Yeah, Lincoln? apparently yeah. so. I wasn't when there we, again. No, but well, when we were when we were at Sketchley Grange, like we were in like the conference hall, and O'Neill came in and just bypassed Collymore and walked straight up to me and stuck his finger in my face and then started ranting about me phoning him and I hadn't, um, don't bother phoning me ever again, you haven't earned the right to phone me at home and all this malarkey. And then he went to Stan who'd caused all the trouble and I think we both got done for two weeks wages and I said, you know, I'd only made a phone call. But that, that's another that's another one he, for, the, for the book. Didn't he say, Marsh, didn't he say like, Marcy, Never call my phone again. You're not a good enough player. 
Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you remember the rights. But you know when you can't, you can't answer him back because we're we're in we're in like, uh, you know, so much trouble with what was going on. The the, the clubs in made it out the the club are terrible and all that. And it was you couldn't say anything back to him, so you're sitting there like biting your lip, getting oh here we go. But uh, <laughs> at least they didn't make the other trip. Yeah, that, that was a trip I was happy to miss out on. Unfortunately, I went on the next one, but we'll pass over that. <laughs> so, Marshy, what were your highlights on the pitch for Leicester City? I mean, there was such a golden time in terms of League Cup finals. And, and, and I know you scored at Anfield and you're a big Reds fan, aren't you, as well? Yeah, I mean, if I pick me, I mean, obviously it's when you score when you're playing up front and that. I mean, it was my hat-trick against Derby. Obviously, the goal at Atletico Madrid, even though I only played about 35 minutes, but it was such an occasion that, that day. And, you know, we were total underdogs and to take the lead. And, you know, Matt will tell you, we should have won it over two legs. I think we were totally cheated out of it, but that's another story. Um, the, the goal, the winner against Liverpool, as a, as, a, as a child, as a boy, I always wanted to score at the cop end. Uh, Obviously, wanted a Liverpool shirt on to be doing it, but the best next thing is to score against your, you know, your, your the club that you've grown up supporting. And um, again, the four 0 at Derby away, which in twenty minutes, which was a fantastic uh, memory because um, you know just watching all them Derby fans pile out of the ground after twenty five minutes was <laughs> was just was a sight. Well, on that note, Marty, how would you have coped with playing uh, in front of uh, no fans like they're doing at the moment? Because you always struck me as a player that sort of fed, fed off the atmosphere and fed off the banter with the crowd. Well, I've always said, and I've always, when you're in the in the mix of the game, it's just white noise anyway. You know, it's like the, you listen to the television sound now. It's only when the ball goes out of play or something like, and you stop. And and the, the funny thing is, I've always been able to, you know, pick one sod in the crowd who's having a right go at me and i can see him you know and he's he's giving me loads of jip but you know i used to have a lot of obviously i had long hair and a lot of the times they call me jippo and and where's your caravan and stuff like that which i as you say i thrived and once they started singing that and if i scored it was straight up to them and give them a bit of a bit of a hassle so i don't know how it, i mean I, it just reminds me of a training game at the minute, you know. With I, I've had to watch it with the the, the false sound on because it, it I think it's terrible without it. It, it just takes away um, any sort of competitive edge for me if it's if it's just an empty stadium with, with people shouting, you know, players shouting. Yeah, for the players to sort of you've got to stir yourselves up, haven't you? You know, you you've got to sort of visualise it or you know try and pretend that. Yeah, but with all these with all these um, psychologists, mate, and all yeah. that now, for me, you know, they've got to be sitting in the room with them, telling them, especially like Leicester, you've got a chance of playing in the Champions League again. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not like you 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 like what I can't get my head round is how well Southampton have done, who are a mid-table team who aren't going down, they aren't going to get into Europe. But from the start of uh, the end of lockdown, for me, they've been the best team for putting a, a shift in. For the whole duration of the, you know, the restart, they seem to be putting a shift in all the time, and they've got nothing to really play for, which surprises me because you know there's other teams that don't yeah. seem to be doing it when they they're going to go get relegated or they're going to, you know, miss out on 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 Champions League or Europa League. It no, it's me. not an, it's not an excuse, but it, I think it's a factor to be dealt with. But like you say, 
you know, with all the, the psychological support that there is, etc., and, you know, pre-match yeah. preparation and focus and, you know, it's, it's not an excuse at all. And I think sometimes, not just Leicester, I think you know, a lot of the games in general, have, the players have slipped into that training match mode, well, like you I say. Totally, I totally agree. With you. I mean, you know, if you're a professional footballer now, I know the money is, is crazy, but if you're going to get relegated out of the Premier League, you're getting a serious hit on your wages. And some of them teams who are down there, some of the players watching them, just going through motion. Do you know what I mean? And they're going to, you know, they're losing thousands and thousands of pounds. I know they've probably got thousands of pounds, but for me, it don't make sense. Marsha, let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit towards the end of your career because um, I know there was uh, you, you did some colourful things um, uh, post your playing days. You moved to Canada, didn't you? You, you set up a, a coaching academy because I remember you coming back with some young lads to visit the King Power Stadium when yeah, you were over there. Yeah, I did. Uh, I've done a few things in the last twenty years. Um, I moved over with the family at the time. Um, I got. I ended up, I bought a restaurant, I invested in a holiday development, both went pear-shaped, so that's uh, another story. Um, got divorced, I mean, my, my, my children all still live out there, which has been tough over the last uh, 10, 15 years. But um, no, I mean, the coaching was good. I used to run like the travel, a sort of travel business. We bring kids over from Canada, take kids over from, from um the UK over to Canada to play teams and the, and the kids come over here and experience Premier League football and you know trips around London and whatnot. It was good fun. Yeah, that was the, uh, the that was stage one. <laughs> and you also um, got involved in the gold industry pre, uh, for a little while. Well, not really. It's a it's a it's a it's a story where um, here we go. <laughs> I was I got I got back from living in Canada I made a couple of friends the South African mates and um, I hadn't seen them for a few years and I got a phone call out the blue from one of them and he said Marcia I need you to do me a favour I said yeah what not a problem he said uh, I need you to fly to Amsterdam and check <laughs> um, some gold for me and I'm like what he said I need you to fly to Amsterdam and there's um there's going to be like a a, a a crate of gold there that I need you to check that everything is okay with it um, because you know there's been stories. What 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 he what he hadn't told me was he he bought these off Nigerian gangsters or was buying it off Nigerian gangsters and they had a. Um, I remember warlord was the word. Well, war, warlord is a very good good word, but they tend to double cross people, and then when you like you get to pick it up at the other end, there's not much in. There. They've cut the bottom out of the box, and and the gold ain't there. So as I long said, as yeah. you're not in the box. Well, that's what, well, the, it, it's not as bad for me. So anyway, I get. He says, "Yeah, I've got your ticket, plane ticket, and then need you to fly out tomorrow." And I said, "Right, okay." So I'll, the next day, I flies out. And gets a lands there, and it was a time when I'd just got back from um, from Canada, and everything had gone pear shaped, and I wasn't, I didn't have much money or anything. I was like scratching about a bit. So, so anyway, I lands, and it, I can't get hold of anybody. So, unbeknown to me, while I'm on the flight over, when this deal was going down at the a warehouse in Nigeria at the airport, <laughs> my mate. And his, like the two of them, who were just normal blokes, they'd been put upon by about 10 
Nigerian warlords with AK-47s <laughs> and basically robbed him of everything and took the gold. And this crate never turned up. Like he'd lost his phone. They'd taken everything. He was from like he was from South Africa, but he was it was in Nigeria to do this deal. So I can't get hold of anybody. I'm wandering around Amsterdam, like can't talk to nobody because I don't know what's going on or where I'm supposed to go. So I finally get hold of him. Um, he says, "Try and get a flight back." Couldn't get a flight back. There wasn't a flight for two days. Um, so I had to. It was all a, a, a total nightmare. But it wasn't so bad for me because I wasn't getting faced up with AK-47 stuck up my nose. I was just the, 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 the pick-up man, which never actually got to pick anything up. But that, that was the end of me, um, me goal bullying uh, job. <laughs> we didn't, didn't do that much more after that. I remember, Marcia, at that, that time, <clears throat> excuse me, we were, we were in touch, weren't we? And I was sort of texting Marcia saying, are you all right, son? He's like... Yeah, 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 it's going to happen tomorrow or something. I was like, yeah. the next day I text him and he said, no, it still hasn't happened. And <laughs> oh, it went on and on. And he was telling me all these shenanigans that were occurring. I was like, Marshy, just come home, mate. Just get home <laughs> and get back. But thankfully it all worked out okay in the end. Well, you were safe anyway. Yeah, we were safe. and he was safe. I mean, he just got fleeced. But he never, um, he never, uh, there was no harm done to him. Good stuff. Um, just to, to finish off, guys, let's uh, just have a look ahead to the uh, Sheffield United game on Thursday night. It is now a must-win, isn't it, for, for Leicester? How do you see that one going, Marshy? If I'm honest, I see a draw. I think they're a decent team. I think Wilder's done a fantastic job with them this season. I mean, obviously Klopp's going to get manager of the year, but I think he must run him a close second for what he's achieved at that football club. I mean, they've I think they got a few injuries but they seem to be, you know, digging results out. I mean, that Chelsea, no one, no one saw that coming the, 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 last week. Um, and Leicester now are going to have, you know, uh, as you say, Madison's out. Is Chilwell still out? Uh, Sirachu is going to be suspended, is he? And um, yeah, yeah, uh, Ricardo's out. So, from what we had, uh, uh, you know, that stable back four, um, there's only one in it now. I think it's going to be a tough, tough ask, but uh, the way the season has gone, I can see Leicester winning 3-0. I could see Sheffield United winning 3-0, <laughs> or I could see it being a 1-1 draw. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's, that, I mean, it's been a killer on me, on me coupons this year because it, you can't pick a, you know, a bank has got to go out the window. It, it's just been a, a funny old season. So I think it's going to be a draw, but I could, you know, it won't surprise me if, you know, either team comes out comfortable winners. Matt, are you expecting a response from Leicester after what Brendan was? Brendan came out with some really strong words after the the, the Bournemouth game, saying that that you know they're talking about them not being uh, ready for the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, you've got to hope that they can channel that sort of that reprieve that they've had to an extent. Um, you know, unexpected sort of situation that they're in now because um, for for all sense and purposes they thought you're going to be out of the top four for the first time in a very long time you know, everyone assumed as Marcy was alluding to there that you know just shows how the results go they assumed that Man United were going to get by Southampton at the very least and pick up the three points and then it looked ominous didn't it but like I say maybe used that positivity uh, you know, to turn things around because Sheffield United Again, as Marcia has said, they've done exceptionally well, haven't they? Because they had they dropped off, had a little phase where you thought they've just run out of steam, and they've regathered themselves and picked up more results. And 
you know, hats off to them for that. And, and they've got their own targets to to aim for, haven't they? So it's going to be a tough game. But three games to go. Leicester can look at it and think, right, we are in pole position, albeit by a very small margin at the moment. The onus is on us. You know, it's there for us to, to go and grasp. And they've got to clear all this negativity, whether it's players missing or the poor run of form, etc. You know, they do have that capability to string together a performance um, in over three three game period. Be positive, go for it, because it'd be such a shame if the season was to peter out. But at the end of the day, you know, if it does end up Europa League, <laughs> all things considered, that's not such a terrible achievement, isn't it? But um, it would be hugely frustrating to let things slip at the last moment. Everything's set up for a big finale at the end of the season, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think game. it's yeah, definitely Man U. Man U it could be the big one. It would be nice to take it to there at the very least, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, a big occasion, big day. Who knows what could happen? And you know, I look forward to a, a, a few days in Kazakhstan uh, watching Europa <laughs> League. <It's> beautiful. <laughs> That'll be a new experience for you, won't it, Marcy? I think I'll give it a miss if I get a call. Anyone want to come out there? No, I'll give it. I watch it on the telly, lads. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us uh, this week, Marcy, on Five Thousand. Pleasure, mate. It's been, a, it's been great to, to have you on. And Matt, once again, thank you again for your contribution to all our listeners as well. Thank you very much for tuning in and join us again next time on Five Thousand to One.